for tuning in to the Open Door Ministry Breadcrumbs Podcast with me, your host, Barbara Smith. We are here to share our blog articles with you in an audio format. We know that people are very busy and constantly on the go, but we all still need daily inspiration in our lives. It is our goal to share a few thought-provoking morsels that will challenge you to stay actively engaged in the Word of God. His Word is the bread of life. Desensitization by Barbara Smith. Have you ever seen something that was so out of place that it caught you by surprise and made you take a second look to be sure you saw what you thought you saw? A few weeks ago, I was driving along in our small town on the same street that I have gone down for 14 years now, and a big white sign in a window jumped out at me. It said, Clean your teeth. This in and of itself is not so unusual, especially if it is a dental office or billboard advertising dentistry, but this was on the front of a thrift store. Come to find out, unbeknown to me, that the thrift store has apparently expanded their business to incorporate assorted services. As days went by and I took a closer look to study the situation, I discovered that they now have a hair salon, teeth whitening services, manicures and pedicures, as well as a small boutique that sells new and unique items, along with what was originally thrift items. Now that I have this knowledge of what the store offers and I see the sign when I pass by, it no longer is a shock to me. Now it has become expected and part of the norm for that store. Many times when people have gone overseas, including my husband and I as missionary kids, things seem very unusual and shocking at first. My husband has recounted stories to me about when he first arrived in the country of Bolivia, South America. The indigenous people there wear huge skirts, very colorful and ornate, but if you see them squatting in the street, they are probably using the bathroom. To an American boy, this was quite odd, gross, and not considered sanitary, to say the least. He also mentioned that if you saw men standing looking at a wall downtown, they were most probably relieving themselves as well. I have seen this myself in the country of South Africa, where I grew up. Of course, society and culture both play such a significant role in these behaviors, as well as what the individuals have been taught and grown up expecting. These behaviors and activities are definitely a shock to us initially. However, after years in a country, this becomes something you deem as the norm, and they no longer surprise you. In fact, you might even begin to participate in some of the rituals. Oh boy! These may be things you point out at first for a chuckle when visitors come from the States. Fascinatingly enough, the longer you stay in the country, it becomes a way of life to you as well. There's a contemporary Christian song called The Slow Fade by Casting Crowns about someone who falls into sin. So often, it is not the big shocking leap that is taken that people see that causes the demise. 
but the unseen smaller moments of compromise or behind-the-scenes decisions made are what causes someone to fall letting down our standards of morality justice loyalty faith holiness and any type of principles from the word of god that we have held true for so long can ultimately lead us down a slippery slope when we begin to compromise and lay these aside little by little that hugely is just the next step in the progressive downward spiral you have been on already but to others it comes as a huge surprise and shock at first compromise is repulsive to us even to think of such a thing but when we become dissatisfied in our lives because we have turned our eyes off of the word of god and the things of god the lust of the flesh the pride of life and the lust of the eyes begin to draw us in first john two verse sixteen lets us know for all that is in the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father but is of the world james one fourteen and fifteen state but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed then when lust hath conceived it bringeth forth sin and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death sin is never satisfied until we are destroyed the slow fade is when the shock is worn off from that first small compromise then the next one is easier to indulge in and not as earth-shaking and this vicious cycle continues the trick of satan is to allow us to become desensitized to the sin wrongdoing disobedience to god's word and death around us he lulls us into thinking that everything is okay his subtle message is that if god did not strike us dead after the first time we slip up why would he on the second and third time however the judgment of god is sure even if it is not administered the instant you have sinned just as adam and eve thought they had gotten away with their disobedience because they did not die right away but they were lied to by satan because of guilt and shame which were new to them they began to realize the consequences of their actions and were not shocked by the time they heard the voice of god calling them in the garden they had been created in innocence and after eating the fruit of the garden they developed a conscience knowing good from evil as satan had said they would however the fact of them knowing good from evil was not the point of god's command he created them for his glory and for fellowship with him which could only be accomplished when they were innocent because sin separates from him eve's slow fade was she listened to satan's lies then she picked the fruit touched it and lust for it before she ever partook of it we are all born with a conscience now and it is normal for us to hear its voice of warning daily our conscience bears witness to us now of what is good and evil right or wrong or acceptable in god's sight even if we are never able to read a bible we can still know these things and be steered in the right direction romans two verses twelve through fifteen state for as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law and as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law for not the hearers of the law are just before god but the doers of the law shall be justified for when the gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law these having not the law are the law unto themselves 
which shew the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the mean while accusing or else excusing one another. So often we want to dispute what we are being told to do by our conscience, just as Eve did, but by the power of God through his spirit, we now have power to do what is right. We may not have eaten the proverbial apple, but we have our own list of things we have done that are categorized as sin, because sin is any disobedience to God and will separate us from him. Romans 3.23 states, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But Romans 6.23 tells us, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 1 John 1.9 gives us this hope also. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. No matter how far away from him we have wandered, he will continue to call us back to him. There are many things in life that can become second nature to us. It is said that once you have learned to ride a bike, you will never forget how, even though you have not ridden one in years. Get back on it, and though you might be a little wobbly at first, your muscle memory will kick in and you will remember how to do it, notwithstanding any physical ailment or illnesses, of course. They say swimming is similar. If you learn how to swim, you may be a bit rusty, but you're not going to drown. Your instincts and previous experience will come back to you intuitively. Once again, clarifying, unless you are in a storm or in a situation out of your control, in normal conditions, you can get in the water, swim around, and have fun and not drown. There are many things that are this way in life. They become automatic responses to us. Those who have never learned a particular skill are very fascinated with it and cannot imagine how in the world anyone is able to do this or that. Often they do not feel capable of learning, especially older adults that have never learned how to swim, for instance. Another thing that becomes second nature to us is reading, writing, walking, talking, and even breathing. However, when a person has a stroke, all or most of their memory can be erased. Their muscle function has gone because their mind has been affected. Initially, they could be lying in bed in a vegetative state, and looking at them, one might question whether they were ever able to do any of the aforementioned activities. They often must relearn everything just as a child would once they have had some sort of mental malady or an accident that has affected them physically, mentally, or emotionally. The things that are normal to them are now foreign concepts. Learning how to feed yourself, read, write, walk, and talk can be much more difficult the second time around because it becomes an arduous task, whereas for a child it is adventurous. Why is this? It is because you still have one piece of knowledge that weighs on your mind like an anchor even if you cannot articulate it. That is the intuitive sense that you should already know how to do these things. This can be accompanied by a feeling of despair. The tables have been turned and what used to be normal to you is now foreign and strange. I use this as an illustration because we can spiritually have the tables turned on us if we do not keep our eyes on Jesus. The old hymn, The Heavenly Vision, written by Helen Lamille in 1918 and sung by many artists since then, is best known for its first line. 
Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, and was written as a challenge to Christians to keep their focus in life upon the Lord. This allows the things of the world to become more diminished and keeps us from allowing them to become our personal norms in life. Sin should shock us. Speaking in tongues, witnessing people being baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of their sins should be second nature to the church. We should not be shocked when someone walks into the church house smelling like smoke, drugs, or alcohol, or looking different than we do because God is in the saving business. This should be the norm. God's presence draws them, just as he called us when we were in sin. We sow the seed and water it, but God gives the increase as he wills. This is not an exclusive doctrine for one group of people, but the word of God has been given to all, as was the cross of Calvary. On the other hand, sinners walking into a Pentecostal church for the first time should be shocked in a good way by the demonstrations of the Holy Ghost and desire to experience it for themselves. Those entering should feel the peace of the Spirit of God, but also realize that this is different than anything else they have witnessed. When you have been walking with the Lord, His presence should be with you no matter where you are, and His words should become ingrained in your heart so that your responses in life are gauged by it. Have you ever heard someone in a cubicle next to you at work say, Help me, Lord, or Thank you, Jesus, in a genuine tone? It is quite refreshing. They do not know anyone is listening, but these expressions have become second nature to them, not just cliches. No matter if they are having a good or a dreadful day, they are expressing true praise unto God. We must never allow Satan to cause us to be desensitized to sin, even though we live in this world and rub shoulders with those contrary to any belief or faith in God. I saw a quote a few days ago which said, when Jesus spent time with sinners, he did not change, but he changed them. Jesus did not become desensitized to the world around him, nor did he become cynical, hard-hearted towards them, or hypocritical like the self-righteous. Because of this, they were astonished and wanted the power that he exuded as well as that of the disciples. Acts 8, 18 and 19 state, And when Simon, previously a sorcerer, saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomever I lay hands they might receive the Holy Ghost. The Samaritan woman stated in John 4:29 of Jesus, Come see a man which told me all the things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Matthew twenty thirty four says, So Jesus had compassion on them, and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. If we allow sin to become the norm in our lives instead of the power of God, when we come back to him, relearning how to walk, talk, act, and worship can become difficult. It is not because he does not forgive, but because we have that one piece of knowledge that will weigh on us like an anchor of despair. That is the intuitive sense of guilt. We knew better and now must revive and nurture the relationship with the Lord once again that was once second nature to us. 
Satan is an expert in deceit. The scripture says that there can be pleasure in sin for a season. However, Satan leaves out the last part for a season and will try to make us think that it will last. He will blast billboards filled with what people perceive as fun and add just enough lasciviousness to begin to desensitize us to it. For instance, a great car with a beautiful woman provocatively placed, television ads day in and day out, as well as social media platforms, are also ways that can be used in our society by Satan to distract us from our focus on the Lord, though they are not sin in and of themselves. Vulgar humor or movies that depict every sin under the sun has, have become acceptable because one might state it's just a movie. However, these are tools that Satan uses against us. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 admonishes us. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. We must always guard our hearts and minds. At a low point in David's life, he lamented in prayer in the entire first part of Psalm 73. Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. This is the part that Satan will quote to us. However, David goes on in the latter part of the chapter to tell us, I considered all of this until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then understood I their end surely thou didst set them in slippery places thou hast cast them down into destruction how are they brought into desolation as in a moment they are utterly consumed with terrors verse 17 was the pivotal moment in david's mind which brought revelation and changed his outlook and demeanor on life that day if we turn our eyes back to jesus look full in his wonderful face, then the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. We must have our Psalm 73 verse 17 moment as David did and once again make focusing upon Jesus the norm in our lives. It's a new day. Thanks for joining us today. We trust you have been nourished and blessed. Always remember the Lord is faithful and His mercies are new every morning. Until next time, God bless.